You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practice Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barrett, where I will continue to always just do one thing, and that is bring you the best thinkers, best teachers in dentistry to give you some great practices, best practices to help you improve your practice and your life. And today I bring back a great friend, Rachel Wall from Inspired Hygiene. And today we pose the question, or she poses the question, what are you willing to do with all of these different practice models? In dentistry, you can create any type of practice. You can do fee-for-service. You can do all PPO. You can do a combination of anything in between. But with each one of them, comes circumstances. And the question is, what are you willing to do to support your business model? So check it out. I know you guys will love it and we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the best practices show podcast. I'm so pumped you're here. Because you know what I get to do? I get to bring on my cool friends that are really smart. And we get to ask them these perplexing questions to help you create a better practice and a better life. And today, I've got an amazing friend of mine. She's a rock star. And I learn a ton every time. And I actually wear my shirt today, my Chapel Hill shirt. So, go heels. And Rachel Wall. Rachel, thanks for being on. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me, as always. Love it. Yeah, you're you're like a regular guest here. I don't even ask you to be on. I just tell you, you're coming on. We're coming. We're going to cover another topic. And so um, I'm a huge fan of yours. I say this every time I interview you, you like um, you are truly one of the best educators in all of dentistry. I learned a ton from you. I use the Rachel Wall question weekly. Which is, I mean, you taught me a lot of things, but this is my favorite Rachel Wallism, if I can say it, is you ask people a question. What do you believe about periodontal disease? You did it in our training room and you go, what do you do that supports what you just said? And you could hear a pin drop, you know? And so like, uh, I just think you're a really gifted educator and uh, you have an incredible company, but I want people to know who you are if they've uh, never listened. Who is Rachel Wall? Give us a little background. Yeah, so I am a hygienist, first and foremost, uh, graduated in 1991, kind of hard to believe it's been that long. Uh, but yeah, I'm a founder and CEO of Inspired Hygiene. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we've been around for about 18 years and just been really fortunate to be able to serve a lot of amazing 
practices in, I think we're now up to 45 states, which is kind of exciting. And um, yeah, so thanks for having me. I always learned a ton from you, Kirk, and you've been so great to us over the years. And um, it's, it's always been fun to be able to collaborate and work together from time to time. Yeah. And if you're a young listener, like see how this works, you don't have to be smart like me. I'm not. And you just have really smart friends and by osmosis, it helps everybody. So, and today, Rachel, we're going to be talking about, you know, what are you willing to do? And I want you to explain that topic and why that's so important. So can you share the why behind that? Well, you, you just said something that I I totally forgot about was that these two questions come together. So what are you willing to do? And what do you believe about blank, right? Something in your practice or, in, or something just in your career, right? As a dental professional, what are you, what are you willing to do? What do you believe? Right. And so this came up when we were having a conversation with a potential client that um, multiple locations, like very successful locations, lots of, you know, traffic with the patient, all the things that you would, you would think kind of from the outside, like show like a successful business, that kind of thing. And, um, and they reached out to us because they knew there were some areas within their hygiene department that were not performing uh, the way that they think that they could on a patient services basis. And then also because, you know, patient outcomes support business outcomes. Um, wasn't performing on a patient services level and also on that profitability level. So we had some conversations. I learned a little bit about their business model and I asked them, I was like, you know, what, what are you willing to do? Are you willing to look at lots of different ways to support your goals, right? There's not one way to run a dental practice and there's not one way to, you know, elevate and uh, improve a hygiene department either. Right. And you're going to hear a lot of great things from all of Kirk's guests. And if you get one little pearl and put it all together, it's going to make an amazing difference. So so my immediate uh, response to him, because their business model is um, very heavy participation in insurance. And so you and I know, based on our experience, that a lot of things happen Uh, when all of a sudden maybe some clinical parameters change within your practice and you have a high volume of patients coming through. And so it's our job as coaches and consultants that have the opportunity to touch a lot of different practices. It's our job to observe what we see and then help others avoid some of those obstacles and mistakes. So, I mean, if it's okay with you, I'll just kind of go into this. Let's do it. All right, so so here's what I know is if you're looking at a practice, and honestly, this can happen in a fee-for-service practice as well, is if for years and years you've been performing, and let's talk about uh, perio codes for most specifically, if those have been at a very low level within your practice, and then all of a sudden uh, there's a big growth in that, and that is absolutely the desired result from the coaching that we do, right? So we want to see growth in these services because that means our patients are getting taken care of at a higher level. And it also is going to increase the service mix within the hygiene department. So it's not just one profi after another. One unintended consequence that sometimes happens, and I will say it tends to happen more often in practices that are heavily uh, in network, is it can, one, is you can all of a sudden experience more, um, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the term denials. I hate that word, but like uh, 
obstacles within the insurance companies on reimbursement for those services, right? Because all of a sudden something's new news coming out and what sometimes happens is it triggers something like an audit. Right. So why were you doing two quads of their scaling route planning per month and now you're doing 20? What's mm-hmm. happening, right? They want to know. Now, there's lots of ways that can support that. You can say, you know, we've had some continuing education and we've tightened up our standards of care and we're making this clear diagnosis and here's our documentation to document the diagnosis. That has to be there and it has to be uh, treatment that is in the patient's best interest and it is clinically necessary. Okay, yep. so let's just, we all agree to that, right? That anything that we talk about today is only treatment that's in the patient's best interest and that is clinically necessary. Yeah. But these insurance companies have that, like they've had AI for years, right? We're talking about it as something kind of new to dentistry. Right. They've had this technology for a long time. And so these triggers just automatically happen, right? They're like, oh, they, they've quadrupled the amount of this service. What's happening? Yes. And all of a sudden the insurance company wants to dig in and look inside your practice. So as long as you have that documented diagnostic information and it matches up with the service that you rendered, then you're good. Yeah, absolutely. You're good, but it's still a pain, right? Any kind of audit um, that's, that's, you know, they're looking into things sometimes, even we, we audit hygiene systems and, you know, we, we put that into some of our marketing for our hygiene growth roadmap. We're like, well, people don't really like the word audit, Mm -hmm. but, but that's what it is. We're just looking. It doesn't mean we're looking to find something wrong. We're looking for, wow, they have a great foundation here. Where could they even expand this? Right. Totally. But when an insurance company comes into your practice, they're looking for something that you're doing wrong. Yeah. Well, so, and yeah. And so, you know, when you're talking about like, what are you willing to do? Let's, you know, I love what you're saying. And, and I mean, this okay, is my opinion on this. And this is why a podcast is so cool. Like 25 years of doing this, the insurance game, if you're going to play it, you got to play it well. You just got yes. and it. And it's a game that the stakes are constantly growing. You know, yeah, so, right. and, and now you like words like shared agreements, you know, auditing EOBs, like all that stuff that we didn't even care about. We used to write, we used to have dentists that would write letters to the biggest names in dentistry and say, Hey, please reconsider our fee schedule. And they would go, okay, yeah. now it's a totally different thing. So if you're going to play that game, you can still do really well. And there's a lot of ways to do it, but I think you're exactly right. You got to up it with some incredible yeah. infrastructure because your margins are thinner. There's a lot yeah. more movement. You know, I mean, let's just talk about yeah. the numbers. Basically, you're going to see a different number of patients than you will when you're getting your full fee. When you get yeah. your full fee, you can see fewer patients. Right. Each path works. And so I want you to go back to this. When you say, you know, some of the, some, let's do a deeper dive. And, you know, the, you were talking about the three to one and then 2.5 to one. Can you explain that? Yeah. So, so what are you willing to do, right? If you, if you're looking at your hygiene department in this environment and you want to see things grow from a patient service and a profit, profitability standpoint, then my question is, okay, what are you willing to do? And then they, the, the dentist says, well, I don't know what you mean. Okay. So Here's what I would recommend, right? Because you want to have as few denied claims as possible, right? We're playing in that lane. We want to have as few denied claims as possible. We want to have as much success for our patients and our practice as possible from a clinical and a financial standpoint. So what are some of the things that we can arm ourselves with 
to be able to make sure that our diagnosis is ironclad and our documentation is ironclad um, and that our systems within the practice are supporting the hygienist to, to be able to have the time that they need to do a diagnosis, right? Because that's always kind of the knee jerk reaction um, with this, you know, we're in this age right now of like, okay, something's gotta give. Hygiene wages are going up, reimbursements are going down. And the first thing everybody thinks about is time. Well, we just gotta see more patients in the day. Okay, go back to that. I'm not even a hygienist. Like, I already know I'm not gonna get an hour or hour 15 for these patients, right? And so go back to the diagnosis ironclad. I mean, a lot of hygienists, if they're listening to this, would go, okay, listen, that's, you know, you're gonna have to tighten it up. And then also the documentation, you're throwing two, those are huge, Rachel. Those are missed yes. opportunities in private practices and fee-for-service practices, right? And I, Yes, and I'll have to say to give this particular, I mean, we don't, we're not gonna reveal who this is, just, but, I have to give them a lot of credit because they're willing to allow their hygienists to have an hour with most patients. Awesome. And they are willing to understand like the model that they're in, like they've got to invest in these things. So they were very open. Good. And so here's what we suggested to them is consider something like assisted hygiene, right? Now, dentists have been working with dental assistants for a hundred years and it works really, really well, right? It can also work really, really well with a hygienist when they're willing to help train this dental assistant, right? Like the, the dental assistant that comes and works with the dentist doesn't know that dentist's way the first day that they work with them. It takes a couple months for them to really get in sync and in tune to where they're working together, right? Same thing can happen with a hygiene and hygienist and assistant. Yeah. They've also willing to delegate uh, duties and the most I would say the dentists that tend to have the highest production per hour are delegating to the top of their state, you know, regulations. They're they're delegating and they're training their assistants to be at the top of their game so they can do as much as possible, right? Yeah. So same with the hygiene assistant. Like what what can we delegate? They can be an extension of us, right? Yeah. We've got to be willing to consider that at least. And that patient may still be in the chair for the same amount of time sometimes even longer if they're working with a hygienist and an assistant together. So that might be one thing that you might say, are you willing to consider? Are you willing to do this? Okay. Can I ask you this? Cause I love this. I, I often find that assisted hygiene has multiple definitions. So can you just define it? Like, uh, like some people yeah. they'll go, this is assistant hygiene. I'm like, wow, I've never heard this definition. So what, how would you define assisted hygiene? So I'm sure I haven't heard all of the ways that it's been done, but I would say there are, you know, okay, so different terms. There's accelerated hygiene, which mm -hmm. we try not to use. <laughs> <laughs> and my, if I were to define accelerated hygiene, I would think that would be, I mean, it means faster, right? Accelerated right. means going, you're going faster. So that's not very appealing to very many people. And I would think that would be, yes, maybe you have, we actually have been and worked with the practice that did it that way. And you asked me earlier, is that really, did their core values really match up with yours? And we learned that it did not, <laughs> uh, but they still were doing good dentistry. It was just that it was, it was just not a long-term sustainable solution, right? The right. way that, that this was working. So, um, 
Sorry, I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole. Well, right. just the assisted hygiene, the assisted hygiene, because that's exactly what I see. I see accelerated or assisted. And I heard somebody say, no, they can see more patients. And, you know, it was all about how fast. And I think, yeah, yeah. you know. Right. So let's just put accelerated to the side, right? Because that means faster. And that's not our point here. Assisted or some, uh, I've heard the term team hygiene, which I love. I mm-hmm. love that. Because that's really what it is, right? They're working together as a team. And and yes, you now have the opportunity to see more patients, but the patients may be spending the same amount of time in the chair. Right. So if you're working out of two columns, typically what we say is your hygienist with an assistant can see 50% more patients than they can see with a straight column. And the other thing that's really cool about it is if you have an assistant who is you know, x-ray certified and they can they can use the digital scanner to take great impressions. They can do other things in that extra chair where the hygienist is seeing patients, right? So right. you can put in an emergency patient there. Um, you could put in a digital scan there. You could put in, maybe that assistant is helping the doctor prep for a consult maybe when the hygienist, everybody's taken care of, right? So there's a lot of different things you can do. I've worked in that model and it was great because the assistant was so good that she just kind of told me, okay, you need to go here and you need to do this and this. And so we communicated really well and it was, it can be seamless. Does that happen overnight? No, it does not. It takes dedication from both parties to want to get to that. And I'll say the other thing too is with that is if there is going to be that two column and that assistant and hygienist are responsible for those patients in that column, then that assistant can't be pulled every everywhere in other areas of the practice. Cause that's what we see a lot too is, is there's a hygiene assistant, but everybody thinks that means this person is a floater and they're just there to help because you know, what, how could they stay busy just assisting hygiene all day? Well, they could stay very busy, right? Yeah. We know that. So you have to have a conversation with the team to say, look, just like Jan is Dr. Smith's primary assistant, um, you know, Cindy is Rachel's primary assistant, and we've got to respect that. Now, if Cindy's all good and everything's done and checked out and everything's cranking along, she's going to do a lap around the office to see, like, are there any patients that need that I can help see the patient and, you know, get them going? Is there is there a doctor or another dental assistant or hygiene, is there anybody else who needs my help? We're all there as a team, but we do have to, we do have to respect like their core responsibilities. Totally, totally. And so that's one consideration when you say, what are you willing to do? You also mentioned this. So you got assisted hygiene. You may want to consider medical billing. And then you also mentioned you may want to consider AI diagnostically to tighten up some of these I don't want to say shortcomings for these decisions. They're just different decisions that you need to decide what are you willing to do, right? What are you willing to do? Because here's the thing is if you are in a model that is very heavy in network participation, your patients, you you have communicated that your environment is, is, insur- is very insurance friendly, okay? Yeah. And so your patients are coming with an expectation that you are going to uh, follow whatever their plan kind of dictates. And if you don't follow that, then you either have to have some very clear financial and treatment conversations ahead of time. Right. Right. 
or you're going to have to have some very difficult conversations on the back end. And we don't want that, right? In right. dentistry, like financial surprises really aren't, right? there's really just like winning the lottery is really the only good financial surprise. Right? <laughs> I, I would yeah. agree. Right. Um, or like some major like inheritance or something you didn't know about. Most financial surprises are not fun. Right. So you don't want to have those in your practice. And there are times when you're going to have to talk to patients about a treatment that you know is not going to be, um, their insurance is not going to contribute towards the, the cost of that procedure. You are going to have to have some of those conversations. But if you're in this model, your patients are coming to you with this expectation. So you want to reduce your chance of these claims getting kicked back as much as possible because that's going to cost you time, frustration, money, and probably some patient relationships. Absolutely. So, yes. So this AI technology with the diagnostics, so I'm just going to say three that I know of. There's probably more, right? Uh, Overjet, Pearl, mm -hmm. and uh, Denti.ai. So these are kind of the three that I'm seeing on the market right now. All very good. I, I recommend everybody take a look at them. Yeah. Um, can you go back to that? Because we just had Mike Buckner here last week from Pearl. Yeah, and Pearl. Yeah. Can you explain what it is? Because I think that's the hardest part. What is that AI diagnostic? Okay. You know? uh, and I'm not... I, I, this is a layman's explanation. Let's just be clear on that. <laughs> That's why I'm asking you to explain it because I watched it. I was like, whoa. Yeah. So, so my interpretation of this is it is technology that is that that reads your radiographs, and it gives you information on the radiographs that you probably either can't see or is difficult to see with your eye, and it calls out and creates awareness for the provider and the patient on what the x-ray is revealing, right. okay? So example, uh, for this particular in example of what are you willing to do? Are you willing to invest in this type of thing? Because this is gonna also help create consistency between your providers, right? If you create it, and this is one thing we do with our clients is we help facilitate them creating a very clear standard of care. Yep. When we see this, this is the treatment we recommend, okay? Everybody agree on that? And we collab the team collaborates on that because everybody's got to believe in it yep. in order to take action on it, right? Yeah. Now, this so is also really like intertwined. Yeah. Okay. So be willing to do. Yeah. Can I ask you about this? Because I'm, I'm actually going to do an episode on my favorite Rachel Wall isms, and this would be included. So it's like the standard of care. So you really hit this home when you were with our team. Like everybody's got to be calibrated on the standard of care. Now I've heard that, but the way you described it that one day, I'm like, this is brilliant. Clinically, philosophically, treatment wise, we've all as a team, whether you have two hygienists or yeah. 30 hygienists, yeah. can you explain why the standard of care is so critical? I will do that. But can I go back to the AI real quick? Yeah, okay. I absolutely. Absolutely. You and I, you and I are like from, we're from the same brain. So we're going to, we're going to chase, you know, squirrels here. Yeah. There's lots of squirrels going on here. So, okay. So back to the AI, it's going to help create consistency um, the other thing it's going to do is um, in a very heavy, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say something that's pretty, that might be like, get somebody's hackles up, but I'm just going to say it. When in a very heavy in-network participation type practice, it is very common, not always, but it is very common um, for, you know, us to have this philosophy, well, insurance doesn't dictate treatment. But I'm going to challenge that because I see it happen every day. 
Tell us is more. patients will say or team members will say, well, we don't treat, you know, there has to be obvious bone loss. There has to be three millimeters of attachment loss um, in order for insurance to pay for it. So that's when we start periotherapy. Well, that right there is allowing insurance to dictate treatment. Now, maybe you do that because you know that your patients are more going to be more likely and you've got to start somewhere. So let's say there's a practice that's not doing any periotherapy or very little. You know, it's hard for them to go from zero to treating every early stage localized perio, right? We've got to start somewhere. So with that type of practice, and let's say they're heavy in network PPO, we might say to them, just start with these very obvious cases that the hygienists have been trying to treat in a prophy and let's get them into the appropriate service, okay? Right. So you could say, all right, this AI technology is showing us there's three millimeters of attachment loss here on this X-ray and we're gonna send this image to the insurance company and we know that that is their threshold. They're gonna reimburse and accept this when there's at least three millimeters of attachment loss. Now we have another layer of documentation to prove why we made the decision to do, to do this type of treatment with this patient. Absolutely. And we're also documenting bleeding, we're also documenting medical risk factors and we're sending all of that to the insurance company with that claim. So. So what are you willing to do? Are you willing to have multiple layers of diagnostic documentation? Because yeah. that's going to help you. Now, let me, can I ask you a question? I, I love this stuff. So you have to forgive me. Like I could ask you 90 questions on that because you're an expert trainer on a lot of this. When you go in an office, like most people listening would go, yeah, that makes sense. But the practical applica, ac, you know, application of this, yeah. there are a lot yeah. of offices that do not document well at all. Right. right? And so is it a big problem? Is it a small problem in dentistry? What, what's your thought on that? Um, you should ask Dr. Roy Shelburne, <laughs> yeah. who I know you've had as a podcast, right? Absolutely. I mean, he's so passionate about this and I appreciate, you know, his work in this area on documentation and, and just to give him a plug. Like if you have not had him in your study club, do it like tomorrow, yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a, it's a big problem. Um, you know, we as a team uh, do a lot of chart auditing with our clients. And, you know, we do that to help them get better, right? We don't do that to say, here's what you're doing wrong. We help them to help. We do it to help them get better. I know you guys do the same thing. So, yes, we see it. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, um, I sat in with one of our coaches on a chart audit and, um, well, with one patient, sometimes we there are no notes, <laughs> nothing. And a lot of times that's just because like something got overlooked, right? It's not the norm. Uh, but also there'll be a template. And I believe in templates. Like we all want templates so we don't have to start from scratch all the time. So I would say absolutely put in place a note template. Make sure it has a diagnostic prompt on there. Like what prompt? What was the diagnosis? You've got to have that documented. And then if you're using the template, sometimes we see that it's just kind of on autopilot, right? They're not putting any detail into the template. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't tell a story. So our notes really need to tell a story about what happened with the patient. Totally, totally, absolutely love it. And then let's yeah. go back to the, can you just address standard of care real quick? Cause I know, um, yes. Yeah, okay, what, so what is that and why does And everybody can get a copy of a standard of care worksheet. You just go to inspiredhygiene.com slash standard of care, 
and you can download a standard, the same standard of care worksheet that we use with our clients. Uh, and this is great to do with your team and you can, you can edit it, make it your own. And so basically what it is, is it's a, it's, it's a written, um, commitment really to what your standard of care is. And when you're going to, when the patient crosses certain thresholds of health or disease, then that is going to trigger certain types of treatment that you're going to recommend. Okay. Yep. And so this one is specific to hygiene procedures, but you could, you know, do this with all of your procedures. When we see on the radiograph, you know, um, 60% of this tooth is amalgam and it's breaking down or there's recurrent decay, that's going to be a crown. You know, you can do this with other procedures too. Um, it also is a commitment to what is going to happen in that hygiene visit. Yep. Right. So we're going to do um, a head and neck oral cancer screening at every visit because we believe it saves, saves lives. Yep. You know, so it's a commitment to what is our what is our belief? What do we believe about these different services? And then when are we going to take action and do something different to help our patient get healthier? Yeah. And you could imagine if you're a dentist listening, like this is a huge problem in dentistry because you're exposed to a lot of great education and then you don't really communicate with your team and you just expect them to see things at your level. Well, that's problem number one. Problem yeah. number two is you don't understand this one either as a dentist or as a team member, the patient's sitting in the chair and I can tell if the doctor and the hygienist are on the same page. And most of the time they aren't. And so what a great opportunity to bring your clinical team together because they can start asking the right questions. They can say, I'm going to bring in the doctor and I can already tell you what the doctor is going to recommend. And clinical treatment philosophies, boy, if you sat in any type of symposium, you know, we might all agree on diagnosis, but you're going to hear 30 philosophies on treatment, you know, yeah. wouldn't you agree? Yeah, and a lot of it is based on science, but it's also based on that clinician's personal experience, right? right? And also what they feel comfortable doing, right? Have they had a lot of failures in one procedure that they're like, you know, this just doesn't work for me, so we're going to do this instead. Um, you know, who their mentors are, who their peers are, right. you know, um, and I mean, it it also, whether we believe that insurance dictates treatment or not, in a lot of situations, it does. Yeah. And uh, I know we don't want to admit that, but it happens a lot. So that's another that's another thing that influences philosophy sometimes. Absolutely. And I just love this topic because what are you willing to do with every choice? There are circumstances with every thing you decide like and, and you know you could apply this to almost anything I had a great dentist she told me years ago she said Kirk in order to get anything you always have to give up something you just can't you know if you're going to get you know um, a successful practice in this route you're going to have to give up something or there's countermeasures that need to be yep. made in this right. respect and what you're really talking about is if you're going to go this direction number one you got to know what you're doing you should always be bringing in an expert like you you know learning how this game works secondly your documentation has got to skyrocket because you're going to run into inherent challenges with that and denials are just waiting for you in that respect. The AI thing is incredible. I don't fully understand it yet, but I saw the first glimpse of it, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I freaking love it. And then the medical billing too is a world of opportunity. It's not just something you should look into. Wouldn't you agree? Like you've got to be willing to do some of these things. 
Yeah, that and this is something that, you know, we've got some amazing um, medical billing experts in our in our industry that we can kind of lean on. And uh, and this is something that we're really going to encourage our clients more and more and more to look into because there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, and, you know, again, if you're you want to you want to make it easy for your patients to say yes to the treatment that you feel is in their best interest. Yeah. And so it's important for, you know, dental providers for us to have lots of ways to kind of offset that or help our help our patients pay for that treatment. So medical billing and medical reimbursement may be one of those things. And this is something else that I shared with this particular client was, look, um, you know, you may exceed this patient's dental benefits, uh, you know, as you move into more complex and more comprehensive care. So, you know, with what you're what you're doing, you may want to look into this and learn some of this to to be able to have, you know, even more benefits for your patients. Absolutely. So, you know, what what are you willing to do? Uh, and at any time we want to take something from kind of where we are and make major improvements, we have to get out of our comfort zone. So we've got to talk about like, what are we willing to put on the line? What are we willing to invest in to help us be successful and get there? And it's never just one thing, right? Yeah. And it doesn't need to be one thing. We're lucky that we have this type of these resources and technology and dentistry now, um, you know, and it's never one thing in clinical care either. Like we've got to have tools in our tool belt to help our patients because they are coming in with a lot of a lot of complex, you know, situations. And um, yeah, yeah we, we've got to be there for them. Absolutely. Well, what if I'm a dentist listening and my tool belt's a little light right now? And I, I want you to talk about your services, but any last thoughts you have as you encourage dentists, like to consider, like, what are you willing to do, you know, as before we do that? Any last thoughts? Yeah, I would just say, you know, we're, you know, we're recording this, um, you know, in the, let's say fall of 2022. And um, what we're seeing a lot is practices that are ready to start working with us, ready to start investing in their hygiene department and in education again, because they they're just kind of burnt out from, you know, a lot of systems went out the window, right? The last two and a half years and people are trying to reestablish things. And so if you're thinking to yourself and I'm not saying this really for for us, because, you know, um, we both, you know, you and I both own coaching, consulting, you know, firms, I'm really saying this for the clients is if you're thinking, okay, we're going to do that next year, start, start talking to somebody now. Yeah. Start talking to somebody now because many, many practices, they want to incorporate higher level services, but their schedule is so jammed up that we, we can help you prepare your schedule. And I know you guys can too. We can help you prepare for things so you can grow next year. But if you don't start till next year, it's going to be 2024. Yeah. So why wait, right, to get the systems in place that are going to help you where you want to go next year? Why not at least start the conversation now with, you know, whether it's whether it's inspired hygiene or somebody else. Like if you want to see improvements in your practice, like have a conversation with somebody now. Absolutely. It's no different. I mean, you could apply what you just said to anything, you know, you know, I got these wiggly teeth and they're bleeding and uh, you can't see me for four months. You know, you already know what's going to happen instead of, you know, the proactive care on your practice is critically important. So I totally agree with your saying. So Rachel, if I'm listening, like, 
I need help. Like my ratios are not good. I'm not doing the, you know, the documentation on the attachment loss. I don't have the AI. I don't even know where to start with medical billing. I don't even, my hygiene schedule's a mess. What can you do? Can you help me? Yeah. So the first thing that we can do um, that we love to offer is the hygiene opportunity assessment. So this is complimentary. And uh, what we do is we grab just a, a little bit of data from the hygiene department from, you know, whoever uh, is the best person in your practice to send that to us. And then we can show you uh, where you have opportunity to grow in that department and um, and then, you know, kind of share with you how we might be able to help you facilitate some of that. So happy to uh, do that hygiene opportunity assessment. And I will say 95 percent of practices out there, in my experience, have a dramatic opportunity to grow in hygiene with one service. Yeah. So we can help you look at that for your practice and, and show you uh, some very specific, um, you know, areas of opportunity and what that might mean for your practice. So I would encourage everybody just go to our website, inspiredhygiene.com. You'll see the little button right there that says, you know, schedule your opportunity assessment. Would love to do that for anybody. And um, just always here to, have a conversation, see what we can do to help, you know, never any pressure, but always love to talk and meet new dental friends. Yeah. And I'm going to encourage you guys, if you're listening, like, and you're not taking notes, don't worry, we're taking notes for you. You can flip up to the notes in Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. You're going to see all the links that Rachel just mentioned. You can just click on them. It'll take you right to uh, those things that she mentioned. And please take advantage of them because uh, I know, I don't think, I know they will help you. And I'm going to say this too. If you have a study club and you haven't had Rachel come out and speak, I don't know if you're you got to have her out and speak. She's going to rock the room and change the way you guys think. And so, Rachel, I want them to follow you like on social. How do how the heck do I get a hold of you? Yeah, like, yeah. follow us on. I mean, I'm on Facebook and um, follow Inspired Hygiene uh, on Instagram and Facebook, LinkedIn. I mean, we're everywhere. So find us. We're there. It's just Inspired Hygiene. Very it's simple to find us. Um, and yeah, we'd love to chat. That's awesome. Thank you, as always, being on. And we're going to keep doing this, and you're going to keep educating us over and over and over again. So, awesome. Cool, cool, cool. Well, stick around. Oh, it's always my pleasure to have you on. Stick around. I want to say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did, just do us a favor. Hit the share button. Share this with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions for things you guys want to see on anything and especially like the expertise that Rachel has I'll have her back and we'll just give her those questions and we'll get the experts yeah. to yeah, get her to answer those but uh, until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show you guys enjoy your day so there you have it another great episode hope you guys enjoyed it hey and thank you for showing up I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm gonna spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.